Alicia and Luke here for the second ever episode of Wool Shift Dust, a Silo TV podcast. Say hi, Luke. Hello, everybody. Um, yeah, really excited to be back. Incredibly dense trailer, like so much to unpack going on in this trailer. And as as the person in this podcast who hasn't read the books, I'm like the the Pepe Silva mean guy. I've just got like bits of string going all over the place and about 17 million theories. 16.9 million of which will be wrong. Yeah, we're going to definitely break down into all of those because I definitely want to hear them and I know other people do too. And like we said, if there was another trailer, we'd be breaking that down. So here we are. But before we get into that, I wanted to also talk about some like behind the scenes glimpses of the production we've been getting. And just to amp up the hype even more, uh, let you know a little more about what goes into what you're about to see on May 5th. Um Luke, have you seen any silo news out there in the wild? No, I haven't, actually. So I'm really looking forward to knowing what this is. Well, a lot of this information comes from three sources, especially. All three come with a strong recommendation to follow. So first, there's a podcast called Writers, Inc. And it's a podcast that I would, in general, recommend to any fellow writers out there, anyone who's interested in the publication process in the business of writing. But Hugh Howie, the author of the Silo series, he's himself been a guest on the podcast multiple times over the past few years. And he's been talking about the evolution of like this, this project Silo and other projects that he's working on that are being uh, made for TV or film. I especially recommend checking out the most recent time he popped up in that podcast, uh, the March 21st episode. And, and the second source, yeah, would be Hugh Howie himself. Um, he's very active on Twitter and he's refreshingly transparent about all of his projects. So he's a really good follow. Uh, his handle's just Hugh Howie, but I'll, I'll put this and links to all of these I'm talking about in the show notes. And the third is the Twitter account Silo TV Fans, which has the handle at Silo 17 Squad. They've been great at gathering all the news about this series. Plus, Hugh Howie follows them and gives insights sometimes. Like, he commented recently to confirm that our leading lady, Juliet, is definitely bi, which I know will make many fans happy. Um, but still, she's still just a misanthrope. So, yeah, Silo TV fans also definitely worth a follow. Now, before we go any further, Luke... Now that you've seen the two trailers, what's your general sense of the quality of the show at this point? Is it reminding you of any other shows or films in general? Yeah, I mean, it's like we we went through a lot of the stuff that reminded me of in the first podcast. But I realized after we finished recording the first podcast, there was a really obvious one that I hmm. didn't mention, which is what? which is, of course, Zion and the Matrix. Oh, OK. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. It really does kind of remind you with. A, it's underground and being built around various levels that kind of corkscrew up. Yeah. The other thing it really, I think this trailer really brought home, was just that this is a society kind of living on the edge in okay. terms of, like, resources, right. in terms of, like, social tension. Yeah. I don't, I don't think you quite got from the first trailer just how vulnerable this entire society is. Yeah. And just how paranoid as well. Well, you think about like, I, I am really interested in space travel. And, you know, there's a lot of literature about that's going to be to get people to um, to get people to, you know, coexist in spaceships for months or even years at a time to travel. And OK, this is definitely more people than that. But still, like, I don't know, my claustrophobia kicks in when I think about it, you know? Yeah. 
Well, yeah. So from what I hear, by the way, there are people who have who've seen the screeners and there's been a lot of good feedback. So that's very promising. There is currently an embargo and reviews at the time of recording, at least. So but the hints have been that, yeah, things are positive. Uh, and Hugh Howie definitely seems seems quite happy with it. You know, he was on the production uh, for a lot of it. And he was saying, you know, how uh, they were doing 20 takes for each little scene is really, you know, film level production, um, talking about the technical feats of cinematography, especially filming around that stairwell, uh, the feats of physicality that the actors went through shot after shot to film these action scenes. Um, they've had about eight months of post-production time by the time it airs. But it sounds like really it's like all in the sets. Um, Howie himself says after he got to experience the silo that they physically built to make the show in, he says he doesn't feel like he did the impressiveness of it full justice in the books. So, yeah, I can't wait to see it. I mean, yeah, just based on the the two trailers you've seen, does it look like what you imagined it would look like? Yeah, it does. Exactly. Except remember when I said uh, it might be even bigger, the the book's 144 levels. This one might be even bigger. I, I'm not sure. It just but I, that could just be what he was talking about, that feeling of actually seeing it in that grand sense of scale, you know? Um, yeah. But yeah, it's for the most part, it's an all practical production. I'm not sure what CGI enhancements they might have done, like definitely the wasteland outside, obviously, maybe some like greening up the farms a bit. But really, it's yeah, all practically based. So like, hopefully we can finally avoid the inevitable CGI complaints. <laughs> hopefully, yeah, hopefully. Does that fall in line with what you were expecting, Luke? I mean, I, th I think to just sort of put this in broader context, you know, Obviously, Apple TV is sort of the new kid on the block when it comes to to streaming services, and they're you know they're they're pushing out a lot of content because they have to 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 build up a library that's going to attract and keep an audience. And they can so, do the budget, yeah. Yeah, so it's yeah, so it's at, it's at this point in kind of the life cycle of a streaming service where they can almost and can and almost have to spend you know large amounts of money at the front end to get what they want in terms of in terms of subscribers on the back end. So if you're going to do a show like Silo, I think it probably has to, just from a business point of view, come at this point in a streaming services life cycle. Like I, I yeah. don't think Netflix at this point in its evolution would be up to doing something like this or certainly not spending the money that Apple seems to have spent on it. So, yeah. Uh, no, Netflix is definitely cycling down in the budgets they're willing to spend. They are, you know, they have new people in charge and the priority is broad appeal. Uh, and yeah. so uh, Apple's one of like the one of the bastions of taste. And I say this as someone I'm not a fan of the brand in general, but like their content, you know, that's some quality content on that streamer. Yeah. But I, as I said, Hugh Howey, he's so refreshingly transparent about everything. So I uh, like how he started with self-publishing, how he got bigger and bigger deals and representation and now adaptations. And uh, he's writing now film scripts and TV pilots himself. Um, definitely look out especially for Beacon 23, which is based on one of his short stories about a lighthouse in space, which has apparently already filmed two entire seasons, which like, where did that come from? Um, and it's, is, it's going is to... That, is that going to be on Apple as well? Or? No, no. It's going to air on something called Spectrum, as far as I can find, which is definitely something we don't know here in Europe. But I'll be looking out for where it lands here he's okay. also 
working on an adaptation to his Sand series of books uh, and a bunch of other stuff, uh, just like really killing it career-wise. But it sounds like one of the reasons he's so successful is is that he rolls with the punches and has like such a good attitude about it all. Um, he's just really grateful for every step of success along the way. So that that makes it fun to follow as a fan, but also like something that we can all learn from it. Um, he has a long thread pinned to the top of his Twitter profile with a, advice for writers looking for film and movie deals. And his advice is basically like manage your expectations, enjoy every moment like it's the peak your project is ever going to reach because it probably is most projects don't get made <laughs> so yeah this is just me geeking out as a fan and writer myself but what do you think luke in the research for this pod i've been sort of digging into who who hugh howie is <laughs> i'm saying that three times fast yeah <laughs> i like thinking you know the guy is in nerdvana basically because he starts off self-publishing you know is massively implausibly successful um with that and then gets picked up and like, I'm glad he's. I'm glad he's enjoying this because this is kind of the journey that people imagine, but ha- the journey that hardly ever happens. Yeah, but I mean, I think his point is a really valid one. Is you know, if you just look at Silo alone, um, it's like Silo has been in development. Uh, he calls it development heaven for 11 years. He says development heaven because he's gotten to learn a lot about Hollywood and meet a lot of people. Um, but yeah, it started out as a movie at 20th Century Fox and Ridley Scott was going to be one of the producers. And then it became a TV show at AMC. And now we're getting ready to watch it on Apple more than a decade later. So, you know, a, a, a lot of things, other things he's done haven't worked out. And, and that's the case for most people. But I think like what he says is, Go for go for the things that help you with marketing and money. The, that's what you can control yourself, I think, is a literal quote from that Twitter thread. <laughs> I mean, to say that Ridley Scott was going to direct um, uh, a film. Produce, produce. A produce. But to say that Ridley Scott was going to be involved, actually. Um, so having Ridley Scott as, you know, producer of the film that didn't happen, I think is really interesting because... I wonder whether at some point in that in that development heaven process, Ridley Scott has made you know drawings and notes that have mm. been passed that have been passed on to the current production because it does look a little bit Blade Runner. It, it does look a, a little bit Ridley Scott esque. Well, okay. I mean, I I don't know how much gets passed on. That's a good question, but it does look like the books. So, okay. which, which to be fair, like, you know, I'm sure Hugh Howie watched Blade Runner uh, yeah. like we all did, you know, so there could be some influence there. But I do think, yeah, that they've really brought what's in the books to life. OK, so we're going to get into the trailer breakdown. But before we do, uh, anyone who wants to go into the show completely blind, this is your chance to check out. Just pause the episode here and come back after the first episode. Um, The first two episodes, actually, because we're getting a double episode premiere, they'll air on May 5th, and we'll be back in your ears a few days later. Just subscribe uh, in your podcatcher of choice, and uh, the episode will be waiting for you as soon as it's out. Um, Now, for those of you who want some trailer talk, we're going to get to it in three, two, one. So, Luke. What did you think of the trailer? Did it give you any more information? Did our last trailer breakdown make you watch this one any differently? There is. There is like the, the first opening shot of um, Rashida Jones going, what if what if what we see isn't really what's out there? And it's like, uh-huh. 
Oh, yeah, this definitely is a point in support of my huge monkey cage psychological experiment idea. And, <laughs> and, then, it, and then later on in the later on in the um, the trailer, they're looking out the cafeteria window, and I assume like matching star charts with what they can see and okay. looking confused. And you're thinking, yes, yes, this is this is definitely some kind of like holographic projection, massive um, psychological experiment type thing going on. Okay. Oh, it's funny. You brought up two questions that I had marked in my notes to ask you about, about uh, what what you thought about that quote and what you thought about the pieces of paper they were looking at in the cafeteria. So it's funny that you bring them both up. Um, okay. Obviously, I'm not going to confirm or deny your theory, but yeah, I, I see where you're going. Do you, did you watch a trailer differently this time after, you know, uh, our last recording, after going through the other breakdown? I watched the second trailer like over and over and over again. And then I watched the first trailer a couple of times. And it's the speech that Tim Robbins is giving. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the same speech that David Oyelowo is giving in the first trailer, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Because then I, I was actually like, did I get it wrong? Because I credit it to Holston, but it does seem like it's yeah, the very, very interesting catch. I wonder. Yeah. OK, I have my thoughts that I'm keeping to myself. <laughs> OK, so that's not a thing from the books, because like when Tim Robbins' character is giving it, he's wearing like a chain of what I assume to be a chain of office. I wondered whether it's like some sort of oath that they take on assuming office. That's a good theory. Okay. Um, yeah, I did also mention elections in the last breakdown too. But okay, so your leading theories <coughs> at the moment is uh, Stanford Prison Experiment. Yeah. Po- um, poss- possibly involving aliens. Possibly involving aliens. Possibly okay. involving aliens. Okay, okay. All right, so let's get into it. Um, Luke, of course, please do jump in with questions and comments for the non-reader crowd. Uh, we start the trailer with this that weird pre-trailer thing that every trailer seems to have these days. <laughs> but we already discussed the shots they used there, similar ones in the previous episode. So if you haven't listened to the first teaser breakdown in our first episode, I recommend starting there because I'm not going to be repeating myself too much in this one. Uh, there's too much else to talk about. So I'm going to assume that you know about the window and what a cleaning is, for example. But jumping into the trailer itself, which opens the same way as the last teaser, with Juliet at work in the mechanical level at the basement of the silo, uh, the quote starts again, like the last trailer, but as Luke pointed out, this time with Tim Robbins as Bernard from IT saying, we do not know why we are here. We get a flash of the farms, the marketplace. Then we see Sims, the head of IT, greet his wife and daughter. And this Sims, uh, the, the IT guy with his family, the shot's making me think maybe they're actually going to make me like this character. Now, Howie pointed out in an interview at one point that the IT department, you know, is also right from a certain point of view. Like, they have good reasons for anything that they do, which is excellent points. And if the show is casting more light on this humanity, I'm wondering if we could have, like, a Thanos was right situation here. <laughs> Luke, you were worried about the IT department being too potentially one-note. Has this allayed your fears at all? Yeah, actually, it has. I still think Tim Robbins is... He's obviously being painted as, like, the antagonist, and so much so that I did sort of wonder whether they're setting up in the trailers or whether they're going to set up in the first few episodes a kind of Severus Snape-type situation with okay. Tim Robbins because he is, he is like, moustache-whirlingly okay. evil. 
But then, like like you said, to set that aside, Sims, Commons performance, yeah, I think that does give the IT department a bit more a bit more nuance. Yeah. Okay. As Bernard's voice continues. Uh, he says, we do not know who built the silo. And we see uh, Holston's wife, Allison, walking through that political situation we saw in the last trailer with the banners and what I said might have been makeshift weapons, but actually maybe they're just sort of like political signs, people waving them in the air. So Yeah, that's, pro- what, that's what it looked like yeah. to me, because it, it, yeah. it looks like sort of bunting as well. Yeah, I mean, it's probably, I mentioned it could be an election. That's that's my best guess, that it's an election we're seeing, especially because Allison is there. Um, any revolts or such, yeah. Uh, so we see Allison duck into the crowd clutching a bag. So the question is, what's inside? Now, if you listen to the last episode, you might have a good idea of what I think it is, but I, I won't <laughs> bring it back up. Um, Holston continues. And why we are underground. And we get a flash of Juliet's face uh, followed by something new. Uh, we get some sort of lantern ceremony going on. And this is a new, this is not in the books, but it's, I, I understand it's a very cinematic change. It's its reminding me of the lantern scene they added to the Wheel of Time adaptation in a good way. I like the scene there and I liked it here. I think um, its it could be a, a good insight into like what brings this silo culture to life, what makes them tick, how people get pleasure out of their days. What do you think, Luke? Yeah, I wondered... With the way it was shot and with the the music they have playing over the top of it, whether there was a religious element mm-hmm. to it, because like I said, we don't know how many generations have lived in the silos. So over time, any society is going to develop its own rituals and eventually its own like belief system. So I think it would be really cool if that was something they explored over the course. I'm probably not over the course of the first season, but over the course of the series as a whole, I think that would be really interesting. Yeah. Um. Now, yeah, it could be a good, like, uh, world-building detail that they added for this, you know, TV adaptation. Um, and Howie said that he's he's happy with adaptations making changes in general, though he does push back a bit if there doesn't seem to be a reason for the changes. So it sounds like he's been, like, pretty decently involved in this adaptation. Do you have a feeling in general, Luke, about uh, adaptation changes from book to screen? I know yeah. you haven't read this one, but... I've been listening. I've been listening to the official companion podcast to The Last of Us with um, Neil right. Druckmann, Neil Druckmann, and Craig Mason, and I think they put it best: where a change is going to make the story better, mm-hmm. then you make the change. Yeah. If it's going to make the story worse, or if it's just going to stay the same, then you stay with the original story. Now, obviously, I think The Last of Us being a video game, I think you have to make more of those changes because. You know, you're observing what the characters are doing rather than playing the well, characters. The Last of Us is a it's a third person video game, so you are yeah. you are seeing from third person point of view. So I mean, you need to usually it's it's easier to adapt from video game to screen, particularly for The Last of Us, because that was like almost one to one in length. Once you cut out, you know, once you get cut down to like the actual story of the game. Okay, I've, I've, rather... never, I've, I've never played the game, but that, that's interesting. Yeah. And the second game will, is, is longer, so it'll probably be two seasons. But anyway, I think, I think that's what they've said. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. we're getting we're getting off. Yeah. Of, uh, we're getting <laughs> so we're, this is going to be a whole but... other podcast. 
<laughs> but uh, the but for a book adaptation, you know, it's a bit trickier because I looked on. I have I have a digital copy of this book, and my version is 550 pages. Uh, so you know, that's that's a lot to well, put it's in. Quite, it's quite chunky then. Yeah, it's a lot to put in 10 hours of television. So you have to you have to streamline and also just, you know, things like adding that Lantern Festival. It's not only insight into the culture, but it just looks nice, you know. And yeah. Then, yeah. 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 I, I think as well, particularly when you're when your environment is deliberately quite grim, mm, yeah. um, the world, you're, the world you're building is is dark in every sense of that word, both literally. Right. And metaphorically, it's nice to have those moments of light, again, both right. literally and metaphorically, because we're obviously looking at people, people living in a deeply abnormal situation. So I think it's going to be important for the show to show that there is that there are moments of joy in this as well as right. just yeah. darkness, sadness and awfulness. Yeah, absolutely. Good point. All right. Continuing with the trailer. So Bernard continues his speech as we flash to him at a podium. <coughs> he says, we only know the world outside our sanctuary is death. And then an image of someone outside the silo window, which, again, isn't really a window, but is a video feed from the surface. Um, this person's in a cleaning suit, sinking to their knees and putting their head in their hands while a bunch of people watch. And two older, fancy-looking people clutch each other, horrified. Um, now, it's hard to get a good glimpse, but I think those two fancy people they cut to, um, I think the man might be played by Will Patton, who he plays Deputy Mains, And uh, the sheriff and the deputy oversee these cleanings, so it makes sense he would be there. Um, um, I had a harder time pinning down the woman, but my best guess is that uh, the actress is Jane Michelle Pasito, who's credited on IMDb as playing a, quote, up top resident, which certainly is how she is dressed. So if anyone at home has any better idea, please let me know. Uh, a lot of the cast at this point is just credited as a resident of a particular part of the silo. So uh, I, I don't know if yeah, they're keeping something secret and uh, we'll see. Um, but the spectators, by the way, it's a change from the books, because in the books, Howie makes a point a few times to say that people never watch the cleanings unless it's like a loved one, because people don't like to, like, quote unquote, see how the sausage is made, that sort of thing. Um, so I'm curious why this change, because it seems like, yeah, there's really an audience for this. Um, I'm hoping we'll get lots of. Uh, behind the scenes interviews with information like that when the show comes out. Uh, what do you think, Luke, if this were happening in our world, do you think people would watch or not? Yeah, well, I mean, you've only got to look through through history executions, which is basically right. what uh, cleaning is. You know, yeah. I've often been I've often been public spectacles, and they've particularly been public spectacles in times and places where law and order where law and order is a very very thin, very nebulous concept. And you do get the sense, like I said, throughout this trailer, that this is a society that is constantly operating on the ragged edge both in terms of like access to food, water, shelter, things like that, but also just in terms of like the, the social tension between people on different levels and yeah. just the tension created, like you say, um, when you're talking about yeah. people going to Mars, just created by this deeply unnatural um, environment. So, yeah, I can easily believe that a cleaning would be treated as a public spectacle just to keep yeah. people in line. Yeah, um, no, that yeah. makes sense. Do you think, like, to keep people in line, do you think they're being forced to attend? I I don't know. It would make sense to me that they were. Um, okay. Yeah. Okay. 
Yeah, so also about the this window, not a window, um, Howie brought up an interesting point in an interview. He pointed out that, like, all the people in the silo, this is the one window they have on the world outside, the, and it keeps getting clouded up. And he compared that to people who only watch one news channel, with that being their one window into the world. Um, Luke, as our resident political mind, what do you think of that? Yeah, I mean, it's 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 not a bad metaphor. And actually, that brings up something I'm going to be interested in, which is because the silo is so huge and you've got this massive sort of distance between top and bottom, it's going to be interesting to see how news travels from one end of the silo to the other. Are there journalists? Are there newspapers? Is, yeah. there, a, is there a radio? Yeah. Well, yeah, okay, yeah. So, you know, there is there is technology. They have computers and stuff. Um, um I, they definitely will talk about that. I, that's not like a big choice, so I don't mind talking about that a little bit. But yeah, there they can basically, it can be done, you know, the way we do it now. But also, I mentioned last time that there are people whose entire job it is to just like walk up and down yeah, the stairs all day. Yeah. 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 But th- that would probably be more, for, you know, delivering physical goods rather than okay. just... So, just yeah. So does that does that mean there is a silo version of Twitter then? Is there silo social media? Is there silo social media? Um, in the book, no. <laughs> but I wouldn't be surprised if they incorporated something like that into the show or gave like a wink or something. Um, yeah. Because like as you know, what is it? How does it go in Latin? Panami circus, like you know, give them bread and and the circuses, yeah. yeah. Yeah, okay, so in the trailer, the voiceover switches to Holston, and we see him walking forlornly through the silo, as he says, if you boil the pack down to one rule, and Juliet looks at a sealed door, I'm wondering if it's IT or outside. I'm actually wondering if it's, like, IT, because it doesn't look big enough. And Holston adds, do not say you want to go outside. Uh, Now we see a mother comforting her children in bed, an army-looking boots running down a staircase, an older woman sits in a hospital bed, and we flash back to Holston as he concludes, or you will go outside, as men in riot gear bust through hospital doors. And uh, we see a flash of a stairwell. We see George Wilkins, played by Ferdinand Kingsley. Um, He's a colleague of Juliet's and one of the few people she actually likes. And he asks her, don't you ever think about the world beyond the silo? And we flash to Juliet looking out the window with Lucas Kyle, played by Avi Nash. Uh, They're looking back and forth between the wasteland and a piece of paper. And uh, book readers will know who he is and what's on that piece of paper. But uh, that's not first episode stuff, so we won't get into it. And I was going to ask you, Luke, what you thought it would be, but you already told me Star Star Charts. Star Charts. (laughs) Now, why, why do you say that? It's just that they're looking out the window, looking out that, that view screen at night, and that they're sort of yeah. looking up and seeing stars, and then they're looking back at that piece of paper, and they kind of have a yeah. puzzled slash shocked look. So what I'm guessing is happening is they're comparing one with the other and realizing that they don't match. Yeah. Okay. I think, yeah, lots of people at home find that interesting. Next up, we see Holson and his wife, Allison. They're sitting in the holding cell as she asks him pleadingly, what if what we see is not what's out there? And again, you already told me what trig- theory yeah, is. Yeah, I did. I went, when, yeah. I, when I heard that line, I did, I did kind of squee a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, massive monkey cage psychological experiment. That's exactly right. Yes. Okay. Um, next up, Juliet's voice says... Down in Mechanical, there's always someone who has a theory about the silo. As we flash through, views of that floor and the team there. 
Uh, Juliet snaps in a shot that looks spliced in. I think this is actually from a different scene, personally. She says, I need to find out the truth. And uh, interestingly, we see Holston down there in Mechanical. Um, and now that's not something we see in the books. But as Howie put it himself in uh, the latest interview I've recommended before about this, he said, yeah, it must have happened, of course. It just wasn't on the page, which makes sense. Um, so that's like the sort of an adaptation thing to me. It makes a lot of sense. Just uh, fill out scenes that probably happened, but we just yeah, haven't seen yeah. it. Because you would, you, would, you would assume if he's the sheriff, if he's in yeah. charge of law enforcement that means he has to travel like the full length of the yeah the silo to investigate wherever stuff is happening so yeah, yeah it makes sense that he would be there yeah so we see them walking out onto a beam over the water and Juliet's holding a strange package she says i found something uh that might hold the answers to a lot of questions uh she says this to ian glenn uh, again jor marmount who plays dr nichols by the way, just Ian Glenn. Ian Glenn looks like a completely different person, clean shaved. It was yeah. so weird. So I wasn't crazy for not completely right, believing it was him in the first teaser. <laughs> no, he, he looks totally. I mean, obviously everybody does, but he looks yeah. like radically different. Yeah. Um, okay, so then we flash to Allison plugging a device into the hard drive, and uh, Holston's voice urges, you have to stay quiet and keep your head down as these riot police, they break down more doors. Now, Luke, what do you think's going on with all the riot police we see in the trailer? What's, what's your theory in the moment about that? I mean, I really, I really want to know whether that is present tense, mm-hmm. i.e. whether that's going on in the same timeline that... that Juliet and Holston are speaking, or whether that's a flashback or mm. a flash forward, because I can I can plausibly come up with scenarios where it's all three. I do kind of wonder with the trailer, like you were saying with the old lady in the hospital. I don't know why, but there's something that tells me they're setting us up for multiple timelines, or mm. at least at least flash forward, flash back. Okay. But I, I couldn't really I couldn't really explain why I get that impression. I just do But you you think that the, it would be like a Westworld situation where they would um mess with you and not tell you that that's the case? Possibly, or it could just be a more straightforward okay. flashback, flash forward. Yeah. But I just get the sense we're not we're not dealing with one timeline. And I couldn't tell you why. It's just my spot my my nerd spidey senses are tingling. Okay. Okay. All right, so uh, then we get a shot of Juliet screaming in the water, straining to do something. And then Common, a.k.a. IT boss Sims, asks, are you willing to give everything you have for this? With the, the scene with Juliet struggling in the water, maybe I'm crazy, but I felt like she was being held down. I, I think if you if you watch that scene slowly, I think you can see a, a hand on her neck, okay. like, hold, like holding her, holding her under holding her under the water. Okay. I had to watch that. I watched that because like I say, I watched the trailer like dozens of times. I didn't pick up on it at first and maybe I'm seeing something that isn't there, mm-hmm. but I think there is a hand holding her head under the water. Okay. Now, okay. I have to give a shout out to, there's been a collaboration on uh, YouTube recently in, in uh, one of my favorite fandoms, Wheel of Time, between uh, a, an account called Lesbian Nerdy and another account called uh, Everyday Negroes. They've been doing like the Wheel of Time books and one of them has read it and the other one hasn't. And 
she the entire time like you hear the theorizing and she's like keeping her cool and i'm taking a book out of her page right now so (laughs) (laughs) well i think i have a theory i think every time i'm saying something that might be going somewhere alicia just gives you a little 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 smile little just we will grin (laughs) um i don't yeah i don't know i mean i have to say uh, i've Everything you've said so far to me in the uh, about the show in general, some things are correct and some things are not. Yeah. Okay. We'll yeah. find out. We'll find out. <laughs> All right. So then we get uh, a shot of Juliet screaming, and then Common, aka It Boss Sims, asks, "Are you willing to give everything you have for this?" Um, we get shots of Juliet looking smoochy with her coworker George. See, I told you she liked him. And Sm- Sims hugging his family in a protective way. Uh, we see a star full of people looking up. Um, maybe this is that lantern festival. And as we see things looking a little out of control with the machines and mechanical, we hear Bernard's voice say, the clock is running. There isn't much time left. And Juliet is running through a farm and tackled from the side and residents gather for a funeral in the apple orchard and i I think this is holston's voice saying uh this is a threat to order in the silo and as people jostle each other juliet's voice yells i don't care about order what about finding out the truth and holston looks tearily stubborn in response that last bit you know what about finding out the truth somebody has got to intercut the trailer with the jack nicholson scene from um a few good men, you know, you can't handle you can't the, handle the, the truth. truth. <laughs> um, yeah. I, that definitely popped into my head, too. I, I, I bet a lot of people. Yeah. There. The other thing about the, that very sort of final rush of scenes is, again, just can't get this out of my head. Like, Tim Robbins' performance is so archetypal bad guy that I have to think there's more going on there than that because Tim Robbins is a really good actor. And he's just so strongly telegraphing. This is a bad guy up to no good. But I, I think, have to think there's more going on there. But this is why I like my Thanos comparison, or we could, you know, use like Namor, or you know, sorry, I keep using Marvel villains. That's where my that's brain right, goes. That's but fine. <laughs> you know, I, I, you used the word antagonist in the last episode, and I think that that's a good word for Tim Robbins' character. He's an antagonist, but in his own mind, he's the hero. You know, that's why I call it like a Thanos situation. Like he is doing anything that he's doing. He's doing it for a reason. And he thinks it's what must be done. So, you know, uh, from a certain perspective, he's the hero of the story. Fair enough. So we, so you are, that means you are confirming that he is the antagonist? Um, I mean, you said he casts an antagonist light. I keep acknowledging that the IT department is uh, <laughs> shady so okay yeah I'm, t- I'm, t- I'm not I'm saying I'm not saying he's the only antagonist but uh, you know obviously as you right. called out um, yeah I, I don't think it's too much of a spoiler uh, to admit that he and Juliet may not get along all the time yeah. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be really interested to see what the deal is with that Tim Robbins character because as I say Tim Robbins in my book I've, you know in everything I've seen him he's he's too good and too subtle of an actor if he's telegraphing antagonism that strongly that there has to be you know like you say maybe he's the the hero of his own story but yeah, yeah. I'm just gonna be really interested in where that character goes. 
Yeah, I hope. I mean, that's just that shots, those two shots of Sims with his family. I don't know. It gives me, I feel like they're going to add, uh, or not add, because the nuance is there, but they're going to lean into the nuance. Okay, so then we see Juliet balancing on a beam somewhere deep down with a rope to lower herself into the water. Um, This is a longer shot from the scene I talked about last time where I used the word cinematic and one of the most nail-biting scenes in all of the books. Uh, So I'm really excited to see it play out. It'll be much later in the season. Um, We see Juliet pull something out of a tube. Maybe it's that mysterious package she was holding, holding out over the water. She hugs the doctor. And then there's a burst of flames. Now, this is probably, I don't know if I mentioned this last time, but when you, somebody goes out for a cleaning and they leave, they end up uh, filling like the chamber with flames to purify it, you know, to make sure that none of that toxic stuff gets in. So that's probably what we saw there. And then we see Juliet screaming and we get that glowing key fob with the number 18 on it now i think we won't see this until late in the season but it's exciting for book readers then we get more shots of what might be holston in the basement or someone else it's hard to tell people cheering from the stairs and juliet hanging from her fingertips off of uh, one of the banisters and we end up with someone suited up to go outside as bernard says some mysteries they're best left unsolved. And uh, Juliet's crouching in the middle of a crowd. She stands expectantly. And we end on that shot of the doors, the uh, outside sliding open. Danta. <laughs> Silo, streaming May 5th on Apple TV+. Plus. So, Luke, thoughts? Anything that surprised you? Nothing. Um, I don't know. I don't know if there was anything that surprised me because I don't, I don't know what I was expecting. I don't mm. know what I was expecting. I mean, this is the nice thing about this. I suppose actually that's a question that I should be asking you because you, you do know kind of what to expect. I mean, so I, was I there think, anything that surprised you? I mean, I think I broke out like the the biggest things so are like, hmm, you know, the the people in the watching the cleaning, um, the lantern festival, the fact we see Juliet and Holston in the mechanical together. Um, yeah, it's you can tell that there are. You know, they're they're adapting, there's changes, but none of it feels wrong. It all feels like it fits. And um, if I like hadn't just reread the book recently or, you know, if I hadn't read it a few times, I might even imagine those were in those scenes were in there, you know. So I was going through the conversation on Twitter that Hugh Howie was having that you referenced. Mm. earlier about Juliet being bi and his point was she is but she's more comfortable with machines than people anyway um I mean obviously we're only we're only sort of watching a two and a half minute trailer but I'm not sure that comes across oh I think that I actually think that it does exceptionally well surprisingly well because when I you know I spend a lot of time going through this trailer frame by literal frame and uh, I was surprised, especially for the second trailer, how much of it was just dedicated to the mechanics of, you know, the of what's going on in mechanical and, and you know, her working down there, which is a big part of like who she is and, you know, where she feels comfortable. And also, yeah, it's that like, you know, when we chose that opening song for for this podcast, you know, we, we were hitting on that mechanical feeling of this. And I feel that in the trailer, like when I see the machines down there worrying and, and doing things, I hear that. No, I'm, I cannot beatbox. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, what was the other thing? Oh, yeah. Holston references, you know, if you boil the pact down to one rule. I mean, 
I'm assuming like the pact is a series of rules by which the right. silo is the silo is governed by which right sort of a ten commandments kind kind sure. of deal. Mm. That's fair. Okay. That's, yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's a good catch. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely something. Oh, oh, so much I want to say, but that's definitely right. something no, no they're going to no break spoilers. into. Yeah, they're definitely going to get into all the because that's so integral to what the mystery is you know you're saying you wanted the world building but you you have to have the world building for this because that's the answer to the the question okay okay. yeah yeah okay i'm gonna (laughs) no so luke do you have any any final thoughts about the trailer uh what we've seen so far um i mean i really like the look of it and i mean it it does come across just how much of a commitment Apple is making to this, which I find kind of reassuring because, mm. you know, after Westworld and umpty thrumpty different Netflix seasons that have ended, that have ended prematurely, it's kind of reassuring to think they're going to get more than one season out of this. Yeah. Um, just because of like the, the sunk cost into it. And also I just like, it's worth saying again, just how good a cast they've assembled. Absolutely. I mean, even like characters that you you don't see very much in the trailer. You know, these are actors. These are played by actors with a lot of credits behind them and a lot of genre credits mm. as well. So this is a cast that knows what is needed for this type of show. Uh, yeah, I, I really hope that um, we get the three seasons, at least for three the three books that are out so i know there's rumors of a fourth but um they just really you know this first one it's really figuring out what the silo is and what's going on and then the second book just basically sets up how things got to be the way that they are that this happened and then it catches up to um where we end this book on and then the third book just follows from there and finishes the story so i really hope that we get that yeah so do, do you think you can do that kind of one-to-one adaptation one season one book or yes. is it going to be more okay so it's not going to be like game of thrones where the first season is the first book and then it gets it gets progressively sort of well yeah, rearranged I mean, and stretched yeah i mean the game of thrones is is a tricky one because not all the books are written um i think an uh another an interesting comparison but also completely different is like the wheel of time you know that's you have 15 books being adapted into the original pitch was eight seasons and these are like a thousand page books you know these are massive monsters um, yeah i've got to say that's always what's put me off with, yeah uh, no. wheel of time it's just the, the sheer like investment of time required to read them just yeah. seemed disproportionate to be honest it's, it takes me like a year to do a read through but I also like read other books in between and stuff but I, yeah I'm doing a, a reread right now and it's just as good as ever so I, I do okay. recommend it but I understand but yeah this is just three books uh, it's easy to they all naturally suit themselves to be adapted to one season of television each I'm, I'm really glad that we're getting a season of television and not a movie because I think I don't know how a movie would have the time to do this story justice, but a season of television, like ten episodes, that's perfect. Yeah, I mean the 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 one I always think of for that is people keep trying to make you know Denis Villeneuve is in the middle of you know an, another attempt to make a movie out of Dune, whereas really mm. if you if you look at Dune the book 
what it requires is a is a 15 right. episode tv show not a movie yeah but that's exactly i mean i liked the first movie but you know they also cut out a lot of my favorite scenes from the book in the first dude movie you know and that you know because also uh denis villeneuve he likes that languid um cinematography yeah so it's beautiful and expressive but uh yeah i want i want to see i want to see the stuff with the emperor and the spacing guild i want to see that i want to see the banquet on yeah i want to see the banquet on arrakis I feel like everyone misses the banquet, myself included. That's definitely one of the seasons I miss the most. Um, and and so, yeah, I, I just kept thinking the entire time doing that movie, I wish this were a season of television. Like, yeah. TV Venom Nook could do it, but like a season, you know? Yeah. 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 All right. Now, listeners at home, did I miss anything you caught? Please let me know. And for those of you who haven't read the books, we want to hear your theories, too. Uh, what are you expecting to see May 5th when the first two episodes drop? Please read reach out to us on Twitter. Um, and Luke and I may or may not be popping back up again between now and the premiere if there's more news or trailer to cover. So please subscribe to the podcast feed in your podcast app of choice and to make sure you don't miss it. And obviously, uh, five-star reviews help us get found and uh, help us yeah, get, get a little attention for this show. Um, we'll definitely be back at the latest, Monday, May 9th, to recap the first two episodes, talk about book changes and toss around non-reader theories for the rest of the season. So please share your non-reader theories with us and, you know, any thoughts for readers too. Speaking of which, where can they find you, Luke? I am just at Luke Midup on Twitter. That is basically my only social media. I am quite basic when it comes to (laughs) um, social media. Fair enough. Uh, I'm on more social media, but you can also find me on Twitter at Alicia CB, and you'll find both of these handles in the show notes. And on that note, we're out like a Sila resident who said they wanted to go outside. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Hero.co